Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast, shining a light on bright ideas. Today, can't wait for you to meet my guest. Paul Durant is on. He's out of Dayton, Oregon, and we are talking all about wine and olive oil today. I mean, like, it's a perfect combination, and I can't even wait to dive in because it's going to be a cool story that I don't even know all of yet. I can't wait to unpack it. So um, it's so great to have you on the podcast, Paul. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm excited that you're here. We're doing this on a Friday, and I just was like, I, I'm looking. For, I was looking forward to it all week. Um, before we get to Red Ridge Farms, uh, which you own and you're the GM of, how about let's talk about your background. What were you doing before launching the business? Well, you know, really, I was uh, fortunate enough to grow up in a farming family um, with my parents. Uh, I kind of describe them as real ag entrepreneurs and we're really one of the founders in, uh, the Oregon wine industry wow. back in the 1970s. So I was really blessed to grow up with that. I really wanted to farm. My parents said, absolutely not. So <laughs> why? I, uh, so I, uh, you know, they just didn't feel like it was a good fit for me at the time. And so I went out and I worked, uh, I got a degree in mechanical engineering and I worked uh, high tech. I worked I saw uh, that. construction, all that stuff. So, but then I had a chance to come back into the business about 12 years ago. Uh, really, it was kind of at an inflection point where either it was going to be sold or that sort of thing. And it, it was not a struggling business, but it wasn't necessarily a thriving business either. Wow. Uh, so our listening audience, I know people that know wine, of course, know wine from Oregon, but not everyone knows wine. Um, share a little bit about just the community there and what the wine business is in Oregon and, and give them a sense for you know that. Because when people think wine, they think of like Italy or California. I mean, like if you don't know wine. So share a little bit about Oregon. Yeah, it's really an interesting story in Oregon. You know, it was, it was really founded by really a group of uh, families that had other careers but had a love of wine and thought that they could make a go of it growing Pinot Noir in a very cold climate. And there was a lot of people that said that doesn't work. Um, and there were some real struggles with it, uh, you know, but, you know, come the late eighties, uh, the business started to take off. You know, you had some big players from France came in um, and then, you know, mark another 20 years and you've had this real influx of uh Big producers uh, have come into the state, and it's grown this very fledgling industry to really a multi-billion-dollar industry for the state. Wow. And Oregon is lucky in that it commands not a big market share, but it, it commands a high profit margin uh, within the wine that it does sell. Interesting. And why is that? Like, what makes it different, or what, what's what's driving the profit margin? I think that it's uh, the state has done a uh, the Oregon Wine Board uh, has done a great job of differentiating Oregon wines as very much a, a sought after product and it's and it's high end. You know we don't compete on that uh, in that lower tier space real well, um, so our margins are better uh, in, in kind of that higher end wines. You know kind of that thirty dollar and up range. Sure. Got it. So 12 years ago, uh, rewind the clock a bit. Uh, you decide you're going to get back into the business, the family business. Where, what was it then? And how has it transpired over time? Well, so at the time, it, it was pretty small. And we we didn't have a tasting room. You know, we were growers of grapes. You know, We were selling grapes into the market. 
Um, we were making very little wine, uh, but we didn't have a consumer facing presence selling wine. Sure. We had a nursery operation that sold nursery stock, um, but really didn't, it was really struggling at the time. You know, people don't come to wine country for, you know, things you could buy at Lowe's. Oh, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So then we kind of just, you know, started, where can we differentiate ourselves? And it was really within the food space. And that really related to, you know, and again, I give a lot of credit to my parents who really were risk takers uh, to put their toe in the water around all of them. Um, Cause it's such a compliment and there's absolutely nobody in the state of Oregon doing what we do. Wow. Okay. So how do you get started in that industry? Like what, what are the first steps you have to take to, get into that even? Well, you know, I think it's something that is, uh, we've been making oil since 2008. And I think it was just really a, I kind of call it this journey of discovery. You know, not only how do you uh, grow olives in a climate that's not well suited for, for it, but also how do you make the oil that is high quality and you can command a premium. And uh, it really, it's really was, trying to figure out what the branding looks like, how to, you know, this part of the thing with olive oil, you know, people, it, it sits on your counter. Right. So <laughs> you know, people have it out and they, it needs to look, the packaging needs to look good. Totally. And so we struggled with packaging for a while. Um, and we did a big rebrand of the entire property about four years ago. And that was really the crux of unifying the brands, um, coming up with something that really resonated uh, kind of with, with our, culture here in the Northwest. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and from there, it's just, it's just really gone really well. And we make high quality oil. We, we seek out, you know, we compete internationally, um, and do quite well in that space, uh, to be, have these awards given for the oil. And, and that really resonates with consumers too. It's, it's always, you know, you, you don't like, you know, people chasing wine scores or that sort of thing. It's always kind of a little bit of a, it feels a little squeamish sometimes, but it is important. Third-party validation is a big deal for consumers. Sure. Wow. Um, when did you go from, you know, I'd say making the grapes, selling them to becoming more of a consumer-facing business? So we, we really focused in on that in uh, 2010, um, really with the thought of like, okay, we understand how to, the, the, the really the money is in value-added agriculture rather than selling selling, you know, you're basically your commodity and letting somebody else transform that. So that's when we, we really started to get into the, the, the wine business. And currently we sell about 95% of our production and it's not a huge production. It's about sure. seven to 8,000 cases a year goes out of our tasting room. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah. So that's, uh, and if you can hit that, you're, you, it's the, you're hitting numbers. So it, it really works well. So now you've got a, a number of lines, I'll call it. You've got your vineyards, your olive mill, the kitchen, body and spa, housewares and gifts. I mean, you in nursery, like you've really expanded. Um, and and like, how have you guys decided where to go into and how to grow the business? How did you make some of those decisions? Well, I think, you know, it's a lot of it being kind of opportunistic, um, sure. certainly. Yeah. Um, and really looking at how how do these products play together? And also looking around at what other people are doing. Right. Um, so, you know, to the extent like uh, the Beauty Care line, uh, you know, we look at other operations and in, in how we can position our beauty care products with this wonderful product called olive oil that's healthy um, and then has, has a nice set of packaging that goes with it. It's very alluring to customers that come in the door. Um, and it's just a good complement to everything we do. 
Yeah, really, really cool. Um, over the time that you've been there, talk about some of the highs and lows. Like, what's gone well? What things have not? Like, what? Where have you guys had to really pivot and and um, I'd say adjust to changes in the market or the decisions you've made? I think you know, obviously the the, the big one. Um, well, there's been two big ones really. Um, the first one being weather uh, has been a challenge. Okay. Um, you know that that poses problems not only you know from record heat last spring to record cold this spring, um, you know, people that, well, that affects the farming, but it really affects how people experience the property and how they, it brings them out. So we've struggled a little bit this spring versus last spring where it was almost so hot that people didn't want to be outside. Um, so that's been a challenge. And obviously COVID was a big deal. Um, and fortunately for us, you know, we had to close our tasting room operation. Uh, we went through two major closures with that, but, uh, the nursery side and that basically our food gift shop, if you will, uh, was deemed essential and we are going to stay open. Wow. So we just moved That's everything cool. outdoors. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden people started cooking from home and we set up a delivery service for people and we were, we suddenly became our own distributor wow. and we were driving product to people's houses. <laughs> That's cool. And I have never in my life <laughs> sold so much olive oil oh, and, and nursery and nursery product i mean wow. we were just we could it's been it was crazy how much oil we sold last year oh my gosh now have you seen that moderate now that things have opened back up or or now do you have kind of a new fan base if you want to call it a new shopper i base? think we we have a new fan base yeah um, call them that new so sh- it's really uh cool. it's, it's not the uh it's not growing maybe what it was but man it, it was a step function change right um and and it's, it's still continuing to build i think it has the opportunity for us you know, to take it on a little bit more of a national scale, you know, there was a lot of, um, through COVID, a lot of business to business portals opened up, um, that were connecting, uh, there was great connectors for us and that's been a real win. So to get our product pushed out really nationwide, you know, we're not going to compete at a Kroger's or that sort of thing, but we can't compete in the space of like a Dean and DeLuca, William Sonoma, you know, those types of spaces are where we can do really well. Yeah. Especially high end, really nice. Your packaging is great. How did you figure out packaging or did you guys already have people that did that and just lean into them? How did you solve for that? Yeah, no, we hired a, f- a firm out of Portland, um, you know, and you get what you pay for. And we right. we hired a really good firm and they had a really thoughtful process that wasn't driven by their own ego. And they really understood uh, kind of where uh, our brand pillars needed to be um, that really could. I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's a lot about... Uh, how do the founders feel about the branding relates to how well your team's going to feel about your branding. Um, so it really, it, it was really, it was a great process. I, you know, branding people to roll their eyes at it. Like it's <laughs> like going to the dentist. Right. We really had a great time with it. That's really cool. Another thing that you guys have done, which I think is awesome is you've created a club system, your legacy club, the destination drink club and a state club. Talk about what that, what those levels are. Um, what the members get. I, I know you have a wait list for one, but like talk about how that's engaged. I'll say the, and there's even two more connoisseur and culinary, but how have those yeah. engaged, you know, I'll say people to continue buying your product. Yeah. I think it's really, um, you know, wine clubs are really a big deal in the industry. You know, we have a unique proposition because we have the olive oil um, that can complement the wine. If you Absolutely. so choose. 
Um, but that's really the game changer uh, for, especially for a, a operation of our size, you know, where we have a significant amount of club members and it gives them an opportunity to enter in at a variety of levels and develop a connection to the property. And we spend a lot of time uh, focusing on those club members, making sure that A, they know it's unique um, and B, they feel uh, an intrinsic part of kind of the Durant family, so to speak. Um, even if they don't live here, um, right. you know, we have a lot of people, especially with things opening up, you know, we are, you know, basically our high season starts, you know, basically in June and runs through the end of September and probably about 60% of the visitors to the farm Our will club be, members. Uh, yeah, we do club members. And then also people who come from outside of the area. Oh, interesting. Got so it. a lot of people from, you know, we got a lot of people from the Midwest, Texas, Florida, um, you know, kind of people escaping the heat um, and coming to Northwest. And so it gives us a great, great opportunity to, to capture those sales. Absolutely. I'm sure this year will be huge based on the travel I've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it will be significant. Um, really, really cool. So what's next? So you think you got a great product set now, like as you're looking forward, you know, let's say 12, 18 months, I don't know how, what your typical runway is, but anything stick out of things you really got to focus on in terms of growth or things you're looking at in terms of building the brand? Yeah. So no, we are, we're continuing to build the farming side. Um, there's a real shortage of grapes. You know, we still sell a fair number of grapes into the market. So we're ramping our farming, um, and looking at some great opportunities for some long-term contracts with some bigger producers, which kind of, those are kind of the cornerstones of stability. Um, and then on the consumer side of things, um, we're going to make a lot more olive oil. Um, (laughs) we're in the middle of a second year of a big mill expansion, um, where we can really ramp our production well north of 10,000 gallons annually. And that's where we need to be. Um, we wow. just, uh, we just, we don't make enough oil right now. And then we end up, you know, you, you run out of a product and you lose that shelf lose space the sales, and you lose yeah. the skew. And yep. yeah, so it's, it's tough. Interesting. And did you have to, sh- I'm guessing that's a whole different type of like machinery and technology to make olive oil versus wine. Like what did that look like? Uh, yeah, it's very specialized equipment, um, and all of that generally comes out of uh, from big food producers. And, and the real technology for olive oil production is is in Italy, um, by, by no surprise. So, <laughs> right, I'm sure <laughs> that's cool. Um, I always love to ask our guests like some of their biggest lessons learned in building a brand. You're in it now 12 years, but it feels like you know you've grown and evolved and added like. You have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to our podcast that are launching new brands or even a couple years in. What kinds of lessons would you share? Maybe two or three things that you would offer to them of experiences that you've had. Well, I think um, avoid brand confusion. Um, you know, we had this, you know, we organically developed, you know, a, a various product lines that were all uniquely named. Um, you know, we had Oregon Olive Mill, we had Red Ridge Farms, we had Durant Vineyards, we had uh, all these different pieces and parts. Sure. And I think it just created a ton of consumer confusion, even as soon as they walked on the property, um, not to mention if we were out in the wholesale space. So I think you know, the, the big turning point for us was to unify the brand. Um, so it had a very cohesive look, whether it was a bar of soap or it's a bottle of olive oil. Um, those are all tied really well together. Um, and invest in branding you believe in. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, my, my mom was, uh, grew up on a big cattle ranch in uh, Northern California. 
It's a big part of her heritage and our branding reflects her heritage. Um, you know, she, she up under this, uh, this saying the code of the West, which is 10, 10, 10 kind of, uh, creeds to live by. And one of them is ride for the brand. Um, and that also informs a lot of our hiring decisions to make sure that people, we have a pretty good staff. We have staff of 50 people there um, that fill various roles, but they all clearly understand the direction we're going and they need to support the brand. Um, and if they don't, then, then they need to find a brand that they do believe. So cool. Love it. And uh, you guys have got to check out. DurantOregon.com um, for all the products and great. It's just great branding. And I do think it all ties together nicely. I can imagine that those, the pieces and parts developed on their own and you guys have done a great job of bringing those together. Um, Paul, share with our audience how they can uh, meet up with you guys, come visit you, do the tasting, uh, buy product, et cetera. Well, everything is, uh, you know, driven off DurantOregon.com. And then obviously uh, we play heavy in the social media space. So our um, Instagram page and uh, Facebook, I mean, those are two, you know, the people that look at Facebook are not the same people looking at Instagram. That's true. And that's really the place to, to, to kind of experience what we do. And then, uh, you know, we really, encourage people to come see us you know we are a very accessible group of uh hard-working people here in oregon and i love that I, I can't wait to come visit um i've had some great visits to oregon um you know going from the beach to the mountains in one day from like riding bikes on the beach and going to snow it's amazing just the climate and just it's so beautiful um and love to come and 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 visit you guys um man it's been so great having you here today thanks for sharing your story with us and we can't wait to have you back in down the road Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.